Hollywood letters of support for Danny Masterson, whose name has been making headlines lately, um, really are showing the pervasiveness uh, of myths about rape culture in Hollywood. We're going to get into the bottom of the story, which has been one that has been has been really everywhere for the last few weeks. Danny Masterson former, formerly played uh, uh, Hyde on that 70s show. So if you were a fan of that show, I mean, it was a monster back in the day. You probably know exactly who we're talking about. Uh, his former co-stars, um, Ashton Kutcher and his wife, Mila Kunis, have apologized for writing letters in support of their former colleague, Danny Masterson, during his rape trial. He was later then found guilty and sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for raping two women. So now the two of them facing some serious backlash for writing these letters of support. So let's get into it right now with our guest, who's a professor of women's studies and political studies at Mount St. Vincent University, Dr. Meredith Ralston. Dr. Ralston, thank you so much for making the time. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. This is a, a kind of a, I, I suppose, a, a shocking one in that the the charges are are what they are. But you know, conversations about this specific actor and other actors in Hollywood um, have been happening for quite some time, haven't they? Yeah, and then there's a new one uh, happening this weekend by Russell Brand. So it's not like this is a a new thing at all. I think part of the backlash that you just referred to has to do with the fact that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis were pretty active in the Me Too movement, in anti-sexual assault movement. So uh, because other people wrote letters, I mean, the family, and quite rightly, you know, of course, in there in the U.S. system, there is a sentencing uh, portion of it where you can actually write letters, which is exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. So others did it too. Other actors on the show did it, but because they are so prominent in in that Me Too movement, I think that's partly why the the backlash. And frankly, I mean, they must not have. They really didn't think those letters were going to become public, obviously, or they would never have done it. Or they got terrible PR uh, advice because you know it, it's just it's. You can understand totally if somebody is your friend and you don't want to either believe that they did something um, like that. But as I put in the article in the conversation, that is something that we really do have to look at. That somebody can be your friend, can be a good husband and father, and yet still do these terrible things. Well, let's then really clarify, because I've seen different conversations with different tones on social media. I think probably because Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are two people that are pretty propped up in in Hollywood, uh, people sort of discussing the issue of whether or not these were letters of support or whether this was a character witness. And they seem to be explained as two sort of different things, a character witness Mm -hmm. being something that's really just explaining who a person is in the context that you know them. And a letter of support is obviously exactly what it sounds like, a letter of support. So can you help us clarify, Dr. Ralston, what exactly is it that the two of them actually wrote and put out there? Interesting. It's interesting about that debate, because I guess you could say, even if it was a character, they're doing a character witness. And if you look at some of the things they wrote in the letter, uh, Kuna said something like, you know, his innate goodness. Okay. Um, But, you know, and so, and it was at the sentencing part of it, too. So, I mean, he'd already been convicted of the sexual assault. And then this was for the sentencing part of it. So to my mind, I'm, I don't really love the, the distinction between the two because basically you're giving a character reference for somebody. You're saying, yes, in my context, when I worked with him on the 70s show, he was a great guy. Mm. But to actually know that context 
and others chose not to. So Topher Grace, Laura Prepon, others chose not to do it. So I don't know whether it was just a lack of judgment. I don't believe for a second that they don't believe in Me Too, but it was just, again, as I say about some of these myths, it's just so pervasive that either maybe they don't they didn't believe he could do something like that. Maybe well, that's possible. And I wonder if that then transcends Hollywood. You know, if if it's sort of what you were suggesting just a moment ago, you know, the idea of this being someone that you felt close to, a friend, you know, whether you're in Hollywood in what we could argue is a very different type of reality than most of us experience day to day, or you're just yeah. living your life. I mean, the the details of a case like this are pretty shocking. Maybe they're just choosing as human beings to not believe the seriousness of these actions. Could that could mm-hmm. that be it, or do we have to separate this and say, no, this is this is more to do with Hollywood and Hollywood culture? I don't think so, because I just saw another article about something that happened in a small university here in Nova Scotia, and the young woman who had been assaulted said something to the effect in the article, oh, but he, the the person who assaulted her, um, he was really popular. He's an athlete, so nobody believed me. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is exactly what this is all about, that good... Again, that idea, one of those myths about rape, that good men don't rape, Mm. that you can't be those two different things. You could be in one context, a good friend, good husband, etc., but also do these, these terrible things. So I don't think it's just Hollywood, but I do think that anytime we put anybody up on a pedestal, so if you look at the, um, the young hockey players, the ones who are in the major juniors, mm-hmm. you know, they've had a lot of problems with sexual assault within that culture, and it's because these kids are put up on pedestals. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the celebrities. Same things with student-athletes. I mean, that's just notorious at universities. So I, I think there's a couple things going on, certainly not just Hollywood, though those are the most prominent cases, of course, but also anyone who, for whatever reason, has status in a society or been put up on a pedestal. And are therefore protected to some degree. You talk in your article um, about a term called empathy. Can you expand <laughs> on what that is? Yeah, that's not my term. That was that's from a, philosopher, a U.S. philosopher named Kate uh, Mann. And what she's referring to there is the sympathy that happens when uh, a perpetrator or somebody is accused of sexual assault. Now, of course, in our system, you, you know, it's uh, guilty until, you know, innocent until proven guilty. So, you know, I get those nuances and sexual assault is very, very difficult because of that he said, she said. Mm-hmm. But she shows all these different examples where when uh, young people, young men, are accused, the sympathy is with them. So that, for instance, so there was an infamous case in the United States about a foot, uh, uh, two football players, and they had, they had assaulted a young 16-year-old girl, and she was slut-shamed uh, to having to leave school. And basically what they were saying, what the community was saying, how could you do this to these poor boys? You're going to ruin their lives. So rather than have the sympathy be with the victim, and this was something they videotaped, it was clear, there was no question of what they had done, the sympathy was with the perpetrators. You're going to to ruin that poor boy's life. That's empathy. Wow. I wonder, you know, going back to this conversation about Ashton Kutcher and, and Mila Kunis and these letters of support for Danny Masterson, can you help clarify how messages of support like this undermine victim support? And I think it's sort of what you were just suggesting, defining the word empathy, but can you expand on that a little bit? Well, if they thought, so he'd been convicted at this point, if they thought that 
he had actually done it, you know, that he had drugged and raped these two women. It's unlikely that they would have put in letters about his innate goodness. I mean, that is a cognitive dissonance that I think would have been very difficult to actually write about. You may feel it, but would you put it in a write in a letter? So if you actually believe that, that he's a good husband and father, he's been a wonderful friend, he uh, got Kutcher off drugs or, you know, wasn't in the drug scene, so that helped him, that's great. But to ca- talk about his innate goodness really does undermine the, um, the ju- in the judiciary in that sense because they were already convicted. And, and, I mean, I'm not, the U.S. is notorious for their sentencing, so I'm not even saying, of course, Canada, you would not have 30 years for that uh, crime, and I'm not suggesting for a second that 30 years is appropriate. At the same time, that is, it's a problem when people who are that prominent are then saying to uh, the judiciary system, give him len- leniency mm-hmm. because he's a good guy in other situations. Yeah. You know, I think what is really um, another negative result of this story is that now Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis um, have resigned from their work with uh, Thorn. Yeah. That's an anti-child sex abuse organization. He co-founded it in 2009 when he was married to Demi Moore. She then came on board and was involved, she being Mila Kunis. Um, so now they're stepping down in the wake of this outrage of, of these letters of support, which I think just then further, um, you know, de- depreciates the amount of work and the amount of good that can be done for, for victims. Yeah. This whole thing just feels mm-hmm. like a, a mess, doesn't it? I know. I guess in terms of PR, they don't have much of a choice but to do that yeah. because I guess it would affect the, the fundraising of the group. But you're absolutely right that in doing it's almost like, They've got, that's the easy way out for them is to say, okay, well, my bad, Um, I've done this bad thing, so I'm just going to withdraw my support. And yet a lot of the fundraising is because of the celebrity endorsement. Um, And that's not the only one. They do do endorse other um, organizations as well. So maybe when things die down a little bit, um, maybe he'll come back or they will do more. I'm sure they'll do more. But, yeah, it's that hard balance of how do you, you know, not cancel somebody, but how do you, um, and they genuinely seem to be, they understand now, I think, um, you know, what they've done. At the same time, do I think that if it had come public, you know, this would, they'd ever have admitted they did it or, you know, unlikely. So it just, it goes to that hypocrisy. Is that the right word? Hypocrisy of people who are, are big in the movement, who are, we believe women, and yet they wrote these letters because, you know, the guy was his friend, which you can understand. I mean, I, I understand that, the, the human dilemma of it. At the same time, given their political uh, stances, it just makes them an easy, easy target. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's it's interesting to bring up the idea of cancel culture because I think people are so over that idea that now this sort of feels like leaning into just the, what can be a real negative repercussion of cancel culture is now stepping down from an organization that could have done some serious good um, in the mm-hmm. wake of, of so much outrage. Um, what do you hope takes place or what do you what do you hope people learn from this from this situation from this case and and from this conversation well it's i always hope in whatever situation it is whether it's the it's the little university in nova scotia uh or whether it's a big celebrity case 
that people really do keep in mind about the, the victims and about where they are. When, when they, I guess the example would be when you hear about something, about somebody being assaulted, sometimes the first thing is, because this is kind of the culture we live in, oh, I wonder what she did. What did she do? Mm. You know, was she in a bar by herself? What was she wearing? You know, these kinds of things come up quite a bit. And so even in that little story I mentioned about the young woman who was assaulted at the university, that's basically what people were asking her. You know, when they go to these kinds of um, procedures at a university, well, were you drunk? How much were you drinking? Was it consensual? You know, all these kinds of things, which, of course, you have to ask. At the same time, you really need to think about what you're saying and really think about the impact of that on the victims. You know, saying what did you do as opposed to putting the blame on the perpetrator is one of those, uh, those issues that we still deal with almost every day. Dr. Ralston, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.